Genesis chapter 41. Now remember where we've been. We started with new beginnings and we looked at how God created the earth and so many of the things that 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 influenced. The foundation for everything we believe is found in the first 12 books of the Bible. Then we saw how God used different men and we had leaders and losers. There were things that we needed to learn from the different characters in the Bible. And now for the life of Joseph, we're looking at from the pit to the palace. And there's no one in the Bible that better pictures the Lord Jesus Christ than Joseph does. And we've been looking at that and we'll look at a little bit of that, a little bit of that this morning. But let's start reading Genesis chapter 41 and verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Imagine that. Two full years. That Pharaoh dreamed and behold, he stood by a river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, those are cows, and fat-fleshed, and they, were, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up, at, came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine, so Pharaoh woke. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, that means in a row, and good. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Why were these things so sobering to him? Well, first of all, a cow, of course, was a was a worshipped item to these people. The goddess Isis was represented by a cow. The other thing that we understand is that cows don't eat cows. So that was an odd dream for him. And then corn doesn't eat corn. How many of you knew that? All right. So it's an odd dream, and he doesn't understand it, and he knew something was going on. So now let's look at what the text says. If you look at verse 8, And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Do you know that's what happens when we look to the world for answers on spiritual issues? And it is amazing how often we go to the world to get an answer for a spiritual condition, and they do not have the answer. It would be like an engineer coming and asking me to design something. You'd have to be out of your mind. I can hardly do two plus two. No one's asking me to design. We're building a deck. And I measured from corner to corner like you're supposed to, and I'm out two inches. And the the direction said, measure both corners so you'll know if you're square. Well, I found out I wasn't square. Now what do you do? I have no idea. So I called Dan New. I said, Dan, it's out of square. What should I do? And he said, well, if it's two inches, then it's one inch. And if you do it, he starts telling me all this stuff. And I said, okay, great. And I hung up the phone. What did he say? I don't have any idea. Let's see what we can do here. (laughs) Nobody's asking me to build something for him. Why would you go to the world to get an answer about a spiritual issue? And, of course, they couldn't answer. No matter how hard they try, they do not have the answers. So then look at verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in the ward in the captain of the guard's house. 
both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. Remember what happened? You had the butler. The butler had a dream and the baker had a dream. And they were troubled. And Joseph came to their room to serve them. And he saw that they were downcast and troubled. He said, what's wrong? And they said, well, we can't understand the dream. He said, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. So the butler tells him his dream. He says, in three days, you're going to get out of here. So the baker's all excited. He tells him his dream. He said, in three days, you're going to be lifted up and killed. Your head is going to be lifted up from off of your body. That's not good news. And after three days, it came to pass. It happened. And that's what he's communicating here. And so if you look at verse 12, and there was... Uh, And there was there with us a young man and Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man, according to his dream, did he interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us. So it was. Now look at what it says. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. A couple of things about that. We mentioned it last week just briefly. That is when you go to see the king, you're going to get cleaned up. You're going to look right when you come to see the king. Uh, and I mentioned that my, grand, my dad's grandfather had two sets of overalls. He had one set that he'd work in and one set that was all blue and dark and ready for church. And Laura said when she got home, when we got home, Laura said that her grandfather, he had his overalls, but he had a special pair for church, and he'd put a sport coat on over his overalls and get ready to go to church. And he said, don't look a fool when you go to church. He cared about it. Because we're coming to see the king, amen? amen? We're coming to worship the king. I'm not saying you've got to come and wear something like I'm wearing. Joby one time said I look like a used car salesman. <laughs> so I'm not saying... That you've got to look like me. What I'm saying is put on your best. Act like something's happening. You're going to see someone that's important. Amen? Amen. If you don't, still come. We're glad you're here. But there's another thing that goes on. He shaved his beard. Do you see it says that in the text? Well, a Hebrew wasn't supposed to shave his beard. But it was an affront for an Egyptian to stand in his presence with a beard. What does that teach us? That there are some things that we as believers, we think are important and we know that they're important. But some of those things we're not going to talk about when we're trying to give the gospel to someone. Uh, We were at Purdue University, I mean, uh, uh, Oklahoma State University. We had our ministry there and we had a table and we were trying to invite people to come be a part of the ministry so that we could give them the gospel. Right next to us was one of those tables. You guys who went to college, you'll remember this. Somebody trying to get you to get a visa card. I remember in college and you're doing that. And they'll give you a T-shirt or whatever so that you can go in debt for thousands of dollars and your parents can't pay it. So that table's next to us. And this lady that was at the table next to us was obviously not a believer. And just to be as kind as I can, she obviously liked girls more than boys. Okay. So the guy that's with me, we're there to give people the gospel. He starts talking with this lady about Rush Limbaugh. Anybody here think that's a good idea? No. Now, of course, we as believers, based on the authority of the word of God, 
we are against sodomites and sodomism. Amen? It's just wrong. But that's not what she needs to hear. She needs to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for her sins. Amen? Amen? So we set aside something that's important to us to get to the main point. Now, I'm not talking about compromise. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not, to, we're not going to get together with a sodomite church to try and evangelize people. Amen? But we are going to go and give them the gospel because they're souls for whom Jesus Christ died. Interesting thought just here in the text. So, verse 15. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say unto thee, say of thee that thou canst interpret a dream, or canst understand a dream to interpret it. So this brings us to our first point. The first thing I want you to see is Joseph's testimony to the truth. Verse 16, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer. It is not in me. Uh, I've got to tell you, if there's anything that will help us to live in this world and minister for the Lord Jesus Christ, it is to understand, it's not about me. It is not about me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let your personal experiences get in the way of the truth. Notice what he doesn't say. Now, if it was me, I would have got up there and I said, Pharaoh, the food in that jail is awful. You don't... Do you know, I, I didn't even do anything and they put me in that jail. Can you imagine somebody going right there? And what are they going to do? They're going to start fighting for prisoners' rights. Is that what Joseph did? Did Joseph talk about the condition of the jail? No. Did he talk about the condition of the prisoners? No. Did he talk about justice? No. He didn't let his personal experiences get in the way of the truth. I wonder if you could meet with Barack Obama right now, what would you tell him? Man, we were having a good time. Some of you just, you just, you just lost all your spirituality right there, man. Just like that. If you're a Democrat here, you're mad because you think I don't like him. If you're a Republican here, you know I don't like him. But the, it's just amazing to think that if I, had a, if I had an audience with the president, what would I talk to him about? Socialism? Communism? Nationalization of industry? How taxes don't help? Are those the things that I would talk to him about? Israel? What would I talk to him about? You know what I ought to do? I ought to tell him about the one true God. And tell him what God has said. You see, this is Joseph's testimony to the truth. He didn't allow his personal and individual agenda to get in the way of what God had placed him on earth to do. It's so important that we understand that we have a mandate from on high. Now, is it our responsibility as citizens to vote properly and to be informed? Absolutely. We need to know those things. We need to speak about those things. But when you have an opportunity to speak for the Lord, don't talk about politics. Talk about God. And then God will straighten those things out. So it's not in me. It's not about me. It's not about you. What about this idea when he says, I think that I've heard that you can interpret dreams. And he said, it's not in me. God shall give you an answer. 
Philippians 2.13 tells us, For it is God which worketh in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. If I can do anything for God, if I have any ability, any talent at all, it belongs to God. I can't take any of the glory for it. It all belongs to Him. As these guys, Did you guys enjoy that singing this morning? All of the glory belongs to God. Yeah, you worked hard. But the ability to do that, the opportunity to do that, comes straight from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's about Him. It's not about me. Man, I could talk about that for a while. Man, we look at Christian music right now. You look at it. And a lot of it's good. Some people, they've got a great testimony. Others have a terrible testimony. And it's all about... Can you imagine... In my meetings, you know, we travel and we do a Baptist history conference or discipleship conference or something. Can you imagine if I was selling pictures of myself? Don't make that face. Jamie Hewling, like, like that was bad. Look, I can't imagine. Wouldn't that make you feel weird to sell an autographed picture of yourself to somebody? Here you go, and you can have this. Give people nightmares. How many of you think that's godly? Can you even imagine? This is who I am. This is about me. This is about... It's all about the Lord. It's about the Lord. He's given us the ability to do these things. He gets the glory. And Joseph testified of the truth that it's God that gives interpretation, not him. Do you think maybe being a slave and a prisoner for 17 years might teach you humility? See, he didn't have the humility when he told his brothers they were going to bow before him. Was he telling them the truth? But was it in humility? No. Now he understands humility. Um, so, the testimony, Joseph's testimony of the truth, it's not in me. Notice what Joseph didn't say. And then look at what he says. Look at verse uh, 16 again. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Do you know something that might just jump past you right there? Which God? He's in Egypt. They had all kinds of God. The cows were gods. The little, the little spiders were gods. I've got to tell you something. If I'm going to worship something, it's not going to be a spider. Amen. I do not like spiders. Anybody with me? You don't, you know, if there's a spider, Laura, go kill that spider. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I do not. And our house is surrounded by spiders. I don't like it. Uh, we, we went to our home in Oklahoma one time, and we're walking in, and on the front porch is a tarantula. You know what this is? It's a dead one of these. I used to do that. So, you know, what's this? It's a, it's a dead one of these. So here's this tarantula on the front porch. Well, I'm the man. I'm supposed to take care of it, right? We're going in the back door. Hang the stinking tarantula. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I'm not worshiping a spider. Right? What God? Do you notice how much time he spends qualifying it? I remember in that special 9-11 service they had at the National Cathedral. And there was some controversy and Billy Graham prayed. He gave, he gave the gospel, but listen to what he said. For the Christian, Jesus Christ is Lord.
I got to tell you, Joseph represented it this way. God. The one true God. You see, for the Christian, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Amen? But He's also the tadpole's Lord. He's the rock's Lord. He's the universe's Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of the Father. It doesn't matter what anyone else, is, what anyone else believes. It doesn't matter who's offended. It does not matter. There is one God. Don't be ashamed of it. In our world today, everybody has a God. Oprah Winfrey is a God. It's crazy. There is one God. And when we give an answer, we must say, Thus saith the Lord. What Lord? The one that created the world. The one that spoke the world into existence. The one that's returning to establish a kingdom. That Lord. The one Lord. The only one that can interpret dreams. The only one that knows the future. The only one that knows the beginning from the end. The Alpha and the Omega. Amen? Amen. That is the God... That is Joseph's testimony to the truth. We've got to stop saying, well, I think. Well, I believe. What if you'd never been born? What has God said? What does God think? Is it possible to know the truth? Joseph's testimony to the truth. Even after being in prison, rather than fawning, falling at his feet, he says, God will tell you. That's his testimony to the truth. So the first thing that we see is Joseph's testimony to the truth. What's the second thing? Well, look at what it says in the text. Chapter 41, verse 16 again. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Peace? This is an answer of peace? What did he tell him? Well, you're going to have seven years of prosperity, but then you're also going to have seven years of famine. You're going to have seven years of blessing and then seven years of terrible waste. Peace be unto you. Uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, you, you must query the text. When I read that, I'm thinking, that doesn't sound like a peaceful message to me. How is it a message of peace? How is that? In each dream, there's a foretelling of terrible famine, terrible trouble, terrible destruction. So what's he telling him? How can this message bring peace? Well... Because it reveals who God is. The Bible tells us that God is a God that brings night and brings day. In the evening and the morning were the first day. What you need to understand is that a person that is all positive is not godly. And a person that's all negative is not godly. You know, right now we have a purely positive presentation of the gospel. Do you know what you need to know? Jesus wants to be your friend. He likes you because you're a nice guy. <laughs> that is so far from the gospel, you can't even see the gospel from there. 
Amen? Then you got on this other side, that Baptist church from Topeka, Kansas, holding up signs, God hates fags. You guys know what I'm talking about? Both of these things are so far from the truth. You can't, you can't even see it from there. So someone that's completely negative in their message, that's not godly. Someone that's completely positive in their message, that's not godly. You know what's godly? But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see the difference? That is the message that Joseph is giving to Pharaoh. He's telling him, look, hard times are coming. You're going to have some great times, but you're going to have some hard times. Do you know what you need to do? You need to prepare for the hard times. I want to show you something about his message that is so much different than the message of the world. We looked at Joseph's testimony of the truth and now his testimony of peace. Keep your place here. Of course, Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to show you how the Lord Jesus Christ is so much different from the culture in which we live today. His message. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his what? His doctrine. Interesting. Look at the next verse. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Notice what had happened. Pharaoh had had his dream. He had asked all of his magicians and all of his counselors to come and interpret the dream. And they couldn't interpret it. Joseph comes and he tells them what God has said. No preamble. Simply the truth. He spoke as one that had authority. You know what I would like to ask? My wife and I were talking about a family that we know. And they're just nice people. They're well-respected people in the community. But they see both sides of every issue. And here's the question that I'd like to ask them. Do you believe that there is right and wrong? Do right and wrong exist? How many of you believe right and wrong exist? Well, how do we determine what is right and what is wrong? What is our basis for determining that? It's the Word of God. This is our authority. When the Bible says that Jesus spake as one that had authority, why did He do that? Because of His doctrine. What was his doctrine doing? It was explaining this. It was Jesus Christ speaking this. But notice what else he says. Not as the scribes. Who were the scribes? They were the educated people. They were the experts. They're the people who had been trained to discern every jot and tittle of the scriptures. It was their job to handle the Bible. But they had no authority in their teaching. Why? Because they were the authority over the book rather than the book having authority over them. 
So how are you and I, if Joseph, if, if we are going to follow the godly example of Joseph, remember the Bible says that these things are given for our admonition, for our learning, upon whom the ends of the world are come. This is for us to know how to minister in this age. Amen? So if we're going to testify the truth, we've got to get out of the way and point people to the one true God. But then our message of peace must be one that has authority. How is it going to be one that has authority? When we tell people, thus saith the Lord. You guys don't need to know about my life experiences. They're, they're illustrative sometimes. They're helpful sometimes. But what you need to know about is what has God said. How does Joseph represent Jesus Christ? How can that apply to me today? How can I live? Well, man cannot live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, we can speak with authority. We can be like him. But how does that compare to the pulpits of today? How does that compare to what people get on the radio, Bible teaching, or whatever? There's never a confrontation with our lives. It's all just truth. Do with it what you want. Doesn't matter how you live. Doesn't matter what you do with it. Here's what God has said. And God loves you. And you're good and I'm good. So let's all just have a good time. That is not scripture. That's not scripture. People need someone to point them to God. Why do we need to go to God? Because we are sinners and we deserve hell. I want you to see something. Let's go back to Genesis 41. Look at the way, look at verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. So here you have the butler after two years. Remember, Joseph had asked him to remember him. Tell the Pharaoh about me. And he didn't do it. Why? Because the Pharaoh doesn't want to hear bad things. Why couldn't the magicians tell him the truth about the dream? No one wanted to tell Pharaoh an evil report. You know, John the Baptist wasn't like that. What did John the Baptist say? He told Herod that he was having an illicit relationship and he needed to stop it. What happened? He lost his head. Oh, well, he gets to go be with God. See, we must understand that we've got to tell the truth without concern for our own personal benefit. That's what happened in the text. That's exactly what's going on. And he was willing to tell him the truth. Is it a good thing to know that there's a storm coming? How many of you think those people in Arkansas wish they had known that there was a storm coming? Would it have been a good thing to tell them if you had known? Would it have been a good thing to... What would you have done if you knew that this wall of water was going to come through this campground, 22 people missing, at least 18 confirmed dead? If you knew that that water was coming through, what would you do? I don't want to wake them up. That might offend them. You know what? I would have woken you, but that's just not my personality. Yeah. This one woman, I heard her, she had climbed up in a tree. And she said, yeah, I, I got some scrapes. But those poor babies out there screaming in the water. Did anybody of you hear that? Did anybody of you see that interview? 
If you had had the chance to tell them, how would you have told them? As boldly and as urgently and as truthfully as possible. What would you call someone who had the opportunity to tell them and wouldn't? You see, Joseph knew what was coming. God had revealed to Joseph the future of Egypt. Do you want to know something? You and I know what's coming. This world is coming to an end. Jesus Christ is coming back. There's going to be a one world government. Many people are going to die. It's going to be terrible. We know the truth. Not 22. Billions of people are going to die. And we have the truth. Joseph's testimony of the truth and Joseph's testimony of peace. My message that Jesus Christ is coming back to judge the living and the dead is a testimony of peace. Bob, are you glad somebody told you that you can go to heaven? And you know what's wonderful? You know what Bob's done? He's gone and told his whole family that they can have peace. But not everybody wants to hear it. How many of you have given the gospel to somebody that doesn't want to hear it? It's not a message of peace until they receive it. But it's still a message of peace, even when it's not comfortable. You see, there's something you've got to understand. Look at verse, I think it's verse 32. Yeah, verse 32. If you look at verse 31 for the context, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. Now look at what it says. Pharaoh had the dream twice. All right? We know that Pharaoh had the dream twice. Now look at what the text says. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. You see, what, what Joseph is telling Pharaoh is, listen, God repeated himself. What is repetition in the Bible? God's volume control. When God says something once, it's true. When God says something twice, he really wants you to know about it. Don't ignore it. Pharaoh, he's told you twice. And here's the thing. Don't miss this. You can do... Here's what Joseph is telling Pharaoh. You can do nothing to change the seven years of prosperity and the seven years of famine. This is what's going to happen. And do you know what? You can do nothing to change the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. You can do nothing to change the fact that everyone who has not bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ will die in a Christless hell forever. Hell is a real place, just as real as that famine was. You can do nothing to change that. Why did Joseph, why was it a message of peace? Because Joseph told him, you can do something to change the way it affects you. See, that's our message. We can't change the fact. What is life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. We can't change that. We can't change the fact. The Bible says, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We can't change that. That's written in stone. But we can change who goes to heaven and who goes to hell by speaking the truth having the Holy Spirit of God convict their spirit and change them. Joseph's message of peace. 
Then, look at Joseph's testimony of what God is about to do. Verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. He's shown you what he's about to do. And what God is going to do, he has told us ahead of time. Remember what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 46? Proclaiming the end from the beginning. In his counsels will stand. God has told us what he's going to do. What we're supposed to do is get in line with that and testify about it. God's about to do something. What is God about to do in this text? Well, he's about to bring seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine. And he's doing that so he can bring 75 people out of Canaan into Egypt. So they can be there for 400 years. And then he can take 2 million people out of Egypt, take them back into Canaan to destroy the heathen. That's what God's about to do. That is what God's about to do. And I know that there are people in here thinking. I know it. In a room this size, there are people here thinking. I don't think God's supposed to destroy the heathen. Isn't, isn't God love? The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. How can he destroy the heathen? I'm going to say this as kindly as I can. No one who asks that question, they'll miss this. No one who asks that question knows God. How many of you understand the difference between murder and judgment? Someone asked Laura one time, we got a gun, and someone asked Laura, would you really shoot someone if they broke into your house? I think Laura said something like, a lot. (laughs) It's so funny. You'd kill somebody just for trying to steal something? My kids are sleeping upstairs. Somebody breaks into my house with an opportunity to harm my family? If I could kill them three times, I would. And do you know how much sleep I'd lose over it? This much. I just thought preachers were supposed to be loving. And that doesn't sound loving. Okay, all, all, all you killers and rapists, whatever, just come on to my house. No, no problem. No worries. You've got to take your brain out and play with it <laughs> to think like that. Why is God sending Israel back to destroy the heathen in Canaan? Because the world needs a Messiah. And Satan has corrupted the land. And the whole purpose for Satan corrupting the land is to stop the seed from coming. The seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, who's coming to redeem the world. You see, God is telling Pharaoh what he's about to do. And it's just as sure as the sun rising and the sun setting. Just as sure as the tide coming in and the tide going out. Just as sure as night follows day. This is what's going to happen. You know that God has told us what He's going to do? He's told us what He's going to do. 
And we walk around like, what am I going to do? I don't know. I don't know. Why, why am I here? Why was I born? Why do I exist? You exist to glorify the God that set it all in motion and then told you what he's going to do. But we get so distracted by the things that are bothering us. What are we doing when we do that? We're allowing our personal experiences to get in the way of the truth. What a testimony that Joseph was. Testimony of Joseph to the truth. Testimony of Joseph of peace. Testimony of Joseph, what is about to come. The same God that brought the fat cows brought the skinny cows. Do you see that? God, how could you let this drought come? Well, the same God that brought you to the Lord Jesus Christ through hardship. Is there anyone here that you got saved because something bad happened and it turned you to God? Anybody here? You got saved that way. The same God that drew you to himself through hardship is the same God that established you in the faith through blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. I don't know about you, but when I'm walking with the Lord, the joy in my life is like nothing that the world can bring. Amen? Amen. But the same God that brought me to Him through hardship is the same God that, that established me in the faith and gave me joy through blessing. That's the same God that brought me through the hard time to draw me closer to Him and to establish me in a deeper walk. And that's the same God that when the trouble ended, I was able to rejoice, and He brought that rejoicing. It's the same God. His testimony about what God is about to do. And then look at Joseph's testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 33. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise... And set him over the land of Egypt. Do you think Joseph thought that was him? No. Let Pharaoh do this. And let him appoint officers over the land. And take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt. In the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come. And lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. And let them keep food in the cities. And... That food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and the la that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And look at this verse. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such an one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Can we find such a man? Well, was Joseph a man like that? But there's one greater than Joseph. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. Jesus Christ, when he went into the synagogue in the New Testament, quoted this verse saying it was about him. He said, this day is this, is this fulfilled in your ears. Isaiah 61, 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Is there one that the Spirit of the Lord God is on? Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah 9, 6. We know this verse at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Why the distinction? Well, Jesus Christ was made flesh. His flesh came into being at Bethlehem. 
But the son didn't begin at Bethlehem. The child is born. The son is given. The son existed with God the Father from all eternity. Amen? Amen. And look at what it says. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. How did the government get upon Jesus' shoulder? It hasn't. That's coming in the millennium. How will that happen? God will take the government and place it on his shoulder. When will that happen? Well, the first thing that had to happen was Jesus Christ had to come and live a sin, born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die on a cross completely without blame, be buried for three days and rise from the dead, right? Walk the earth for 40 days and then ascend to the right hand of the Father. Is that where he is? Yeah. Yeah. But what's his name? Wonderful. Wonderful counselor. Where can we find a man like this? I can tell you. His name's Jesus. He is a wonderful counselor. And here we have Joseph representing the Lord Jesus Christ as a counselor. When the Bible talks about Jesus Christ being wonderful, why is he wonderful? Because he's the answer to the dullness of our life. When you look around and everything is dark and he's troubled and he has all of this trouble, the Pharaoh doesn't know what to do. Well, Jesus Christ is the answer. He's wonderful. But he's also counselor. He's wonderful for the dullness of life. He's counselor for the dilemmas of life. He didn't know what to do. Here, we're going to have seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. What are we going to do? Well, the counselor told him what to do. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. That's the answer for the demands of life. Who in the world could know that there are going to be seven years of famine? Seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Only God knows that. Farmer's Almanac can't tell you that. Only God. How many of you have noticed that the weathermen have no idea what's going to happen last week? No idea. God can tell you what's happened 14 years in advance and have it happen exactly. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. He's the answer to the dimensions of life. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. Uh, Joseph is good. Jesus is better. Amen? And what's the last one? Prince of Peace. He's the answer for the disturbances of life. What message did he give him? The message of peace. Isn't that wonderful? How is Joseph a testimony of Jesus Christ? I want you to think about it. He's in the pit. He gets raised from the pit to sit on the right hand of the throne. And anyone, anyone who wants to live, Genesis chapter 41, look at what it says. Genesis chapter 41. Verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art, Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. 
What does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in likeness as a man, being found in fashion as a man, he made himself obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the pit. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Now look at the difference. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. Verse 43. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee. So Joseph's coming by in the chariot. You're going to bow the knee. And you're going to bow the knee because he's worthy of honor. That's the point. But you're bowing the knee because when he's gone, you're going someplace else. But Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. And every tongue confess. Because when Jesus is there, you're not going anywhere else. I have people say, you know, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to see so-and-so. Man, when you get to heaven, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to be bowing at the feet of Jesus. Joseph's testimony of Jesus Christ. You know what we learn? He's exalted from the pit to the throne. And everyone, listen, everyone that wants to live must come before His throne and bow the knee to receive bread so they can have life. Joseph is an amazing picture of Jesus Christ. Have you bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can have life? If you haven't, I'm telling you, just like the river in Arkansas, the time is coming when you're going to give an answer. Hell is real. Eternity is real. Jesus Christ's return is real. The one true God has told us in His Word. It's our job to submit to it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word.